morning, Thrive Church. I want to welcome all those who are watching our services online, those who are in the 715 area code. We're so glad that you are connecting with us. And, and if you have any questions about Thrive Church, I want to encourage you to check out our website at thrive715.com. And for those who are in-house today, then it just kind of it was kind of neat to walk in the building and see something a little different. Did anybody notice anything different this morning? I don't know if you noticed that a little bit. Let's give God praise. Yeah, yeah, and some, some people have mentioned to me, so when are we going to finish the auditorium? And I said, that's a great question. I haven't even thought of that. That's a brilliant question. So we're going to just ask God all about that because this is his house. So we're so glad that you're here this morning. I'm going to make sure all of our members know that at the end of the service, there's going to be a brief meeting. We have made some adjustments in our bylaws, and you've known about that for a couple weeks, and we put that out there for you to check on. We had a town hall meeting to discuss a lot of those changes, and so we're just going to have a brief vote on those adjustments in the bylaws. So please, if you are a member, please be sure to be a part of that. And then also, uh, next Sunday, we are going to take a special offering. We have a, a, a really awesome opportunity. It's an outreach event, and we're calling it the Moving Experience, and we're, we're par partnering with the artists of our community to reach people who are struggling and hurting and wounded because of the whole COVID epidemic. And so uh, we, we're going to ask that you would just uh, be praying about that. It's coming up in May. But next Sunday, we're gonna, we need to take an offering for that. So if you would, uh, I'll tell you more about it next week, but if you would just be prepared to, to take that offering. And then also, last of all, we're starting our life groups, uh, starting here in just a few weeks. But if you're here today... And you, you feel compelled, maybe you could be a life group leader and you would like to know more about that. I would love to have that conversation with you or else talk to Sandy or Becky Porter and they'll be at the guest center at the end of the service and please talk to them about any questions. So we're going to get right into this message. You notice in this sermon notes there's a lot of stuff here today, a lot of stuff. And we're going to get into it today. And, and today is one of those messages where I think you need to put on your seatbelt because it is coming at you, all right? Because it's all part of God's good news. It is good news. We are in our Easter season just a few weeks from Easter, and we are in the Easter season. And I found this, that during the Easter season, people have questions about faith. People are asking questions about faith. And people are looking for a faith that is real. It applies to their life and something that they can put their hope and trust in that, that will help them find peace. And God has given us Thrive Church. God looked out and through all the ages and he looked at Thrive Church and he said in Mark 16, 15, he said to Thrive Church, I want you, Thrive Church, to go into the 715 area code and the rest of the world and I want you to share with people this good news. So that's great. That's a great, that's a great thing. That's a great mission. All of us are, are called to do that. But where I found people get hung up on is like, okay, I'm going to go out and share the good news, but what exactly is it? What exactly? How many of you ever found yourself asking that question? What is exactly? I mean, what exactly am I supposed to say? And so in this sermon series, I, I think it's important that we understand the gospel message. We understand what is the good news. And first of all, how it applies to our lives. And when we, especially after we listen to today, 
And we hear about what this good news does and, and the transformation that it brings. It changes everything. But also, when we understand it, then we are able to communicate it. And that is my hope and vision from this sermon series that we get an understanding. So when you look at the, the, the gospel, you can really find that all of the pieces. I just imagine that there's four pieces to this puzzle. And you find these four pieces in John 3.16. For God, we talked about God last week. And if you want to get caught up with what the gospel is, listen to last week's podcast. Go to thrive715.com and listen to it. But we learned that God loves the world. And God loves you. Just look at your neighbor right now and say, God loves you. I don't know if you were here last week or not, but just you need to know God loves you. God loves you. And, and for God so loved the entire world, even the people who reject him, God loves everyone. He loves the entire world. And he did something about it. He gave his one and only son, but he did it for a reason. And we're going to talk about that today and next week. God gave his one and only begotten son, and that whoever believes in him, whoever puts their faith in him, their lives will be changed here on earth. Their lives will be changed for eternity. So how many of you are excited about the good news here this morning? Let's talk about this. Here's the four, the four pieces of this puzzle. First of all, God's love. Talked about that last week. Number two, we're going to talk about today, we're going to talk about man's sin. Man's sin is the problem. Today we're going to go right at the problem, at the heart of the issue. Next week we're going to talk about Jesus' sacrifice and what is this, the whole cross, what was that all about? And then we're going to talk about on Easter Sunday, your decision. And on Easter Sunday, I can't hardly wait, we're going to talk, we're going to have people, we're going to highlight people in our second service, we're going to do a baptism, and we're going to highlight some people who said, I've made the decision that this good news has changed my life. So if you're interested in knowing about baptism, again, talk to some of our people. We've found the nicest people in the entire church to work at our guest center, and they will answer your questions for you. So today, we're going to go at it. We're going to talk about the problem. So if we had this good news, well, what, what does this good news do? What, what issue does it address? And it addresses, every person in this room has this problem, and it's called sin. So how many of you have ever, have, you know, you've, you've been church attenders for a long time, or those who are watching online, have you ever wondered if the pastor is just really being honest with you? Have you ever wondered that? Have you ever just like, I wonder what he's really thinking. I wonder if, he, if we gave him the freedom to say what he really wanted to say, what might that look like? And I think I found a video of what that might look like. Go ahead. If I may digress for a moment from my prepared message, I mean it when I say to you, you guys, sometimes you're bad. Don't be jerks. You're supposed to be good. I'm in my office every day and somebody comes in and they're like, hey, whoops. I don't! I'm gonna 
Dan, what is your deal? If anybody doesn't know, Dan is the worst. I took a vow to not say who was the worst, but it's Dan. You guys are making me look bad in front of God. What's that? Oh, look, it's Jesus. And he said, stop it. The word of the Lord. But it doesn't quite come out like that. <laughs> the word of the Lord. And Dan, we're talking to you this morning, okay? <laughs> we're talking to you. You're the worst. And I'm the worst. And you're the worst. And all of us here in this room have this thing, and it's called a sin problem. And every person who's driving by this building today has a sin problem, and all your neighbors. We all have this problem, and it's called sin. Paul tells us this in Romans 3.23. He says, for all of us, all of us. He says, look at your neighbor and just say, listen, I'm going to fess up right now. I'm a sinner. For all have sinned, and we fall short of the glory of God. So what that means, the word sin means to miss the mark. Now some people are like, well, you know, are you aiming for a target and you're just off for a little bit? No, it's not even, you're off by a little bit. You're not even aiming at that target. To sin means that you're aiming at your own target. You're not even paying attention to God. You, you, are, con you are consciously disobeying God. You are rebelling against His authority you are ignoring his boundaries. And sin is within all of us. It is when we, we're born with this. And, and here's how I know. If you've had kids, you've had children before, you didn't have to teach them what was wrong, right? They had it all figured out themselves. Where we had to spend all of our energy and efforts is we had to teach, we had to readjust them from what is wrong and say, no, 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 we need to do what is right, right? And why is that so? Because we are born with this thing called a sin nature. So where does this come from? I'm gonna, for the rest of this message, I know we got a lot of notes, but I want you to follow along with me because we're going to go back to the beginning. In Genesis chapter 2 and Genesis chapter 3, it, it tells us of where this sin problem came about with our great-great-great-great-great-grandparents, Adam and Eve. So we're going we're gonna to understand a little bit more about what our sin problem is from this story. So understand this about sin. God's great intention, God has great intentions from the very beginning for your life. God has a great plan. Verse 15, the Lord placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. So God's intention for you, listen to me, his intention for each and every person, God's greatest desire for your life is to have a relationship with you. Now, please understand, as I was, listening, I was reading this book this week about the gospel, and I never really read it this way before, but it's not so much that we have a equal, co-equal existence between two people, this two-people two relationship is not that way at all, but the relationship that God wants to have with you is a loving king and then a loyal subject. Please understand that. That's where we get mixed up with God. You know, that's where we think, oh, God, he's my bestie. It's not about his bestie. He's your loving king who wants to have a relationship with you. 
And so to, when we live under his righteous rule, we in that perfect joy in relationship with, it, with him, worshiping our creator, there's unbroken fellowship. There is peace that is found in that relationship. And so God's intention was relationship, but also God said, I want you to have dominion over the earth. So I'm going to give you rule over the earth, and I want you to take care of it. I want you to take care of it. So we need to understand that God, number two, is serious. God is serious about this issue. He is serious about obedience. Verse 16 and 17, but the Lord God warned him, Adam, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except... Let me just stop here. Listen, you got this whole Garden of Eden. Anything you want. Eat away. Enjoy. Do whatever you want. Bricks, ice cream everywhere. (laughs) Except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You need to stay away. If you will eat this fruit, you're going to die. So this is like one of those moments when we tell our kids, don't touch the stove because you're going to get hurt. Is there anybody who kind of regrets saying those words? Because what happens? (laughs) What happens to their kids? As soon as we turn our back, I've got to touch the stove. I'm not quite sure I believe you. I think what happened was when Adam and Eve when they went about their stewardship that God had called them to, I, I think this was an understanding that every time they walked by this tree, they realized that they were under his rule. Every time they walked by that tree, they realized that they were dependent on God for everything. They were stewards. They were dependent on the king. And I think that when every time they looked at that tree, it was a reminder that they are under God. And that really, we're going to get into this a little bit more, but that's really the crux of the issue, isn't it? We struggle, each and every day we wake up with this struggle of being under authority. Under authority. God gave them a boundary, and He gave them a warning. Don't go near it. And I think think sometimes, I think this is, the reason why this is so important, I think sometimes we... We don't take God seriously. We don't take God at his word. Sometimes just kind of things have evolved where we're just like, well, sin, schmin, it's not a big deal. No one got hurt. So what's the big deal if no one gets hurt? Besides, I'm not a bad person. Now, Dan, Dan is a bad person, okay? God, you, you need to smite Dan, but I'm not, I mean, I've never done anything to things that, that Dan has done. And you know what? Let's just go back to point number one. God loves me. If God loves me, he just overlooks these things. Isn't it crazy how we kind of evolved to that mindset? And we need to understand, as we talked about last week, that God is holy. And a holy God takes sin Seriously, you know how serious it was? We're going to talk about this next week. It was such a, ser- it's such a serious issue that God wanted drastic measures to deal with this problem. 
We're going to talk about this next week. But understand, God takes obedience. God takes sin seriously. Number three, when we are right with God, it equals peace without shame. I think the Apostle Paul says that it is a peace that passeth all understanding. A peace that passeth all understanding. Verse 25 says, Now the man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. There was peace. You see, there's peace when we are in a right relationship with God. Adam and Eve were in a right relationship with God, and it was peaceful. What, what it means to have peace of heart is that there's no conflict. There's no separation. We are at one. The way we were intended, the way we were built, there's no guilt. I don't struggle with like, oh, I shouldn't have done this, I shouldn't have done that. There's no guilt. There's no shame. It is well with my soul. I want you to understand that as God's intention for your life. This is where God intended for us to live. Number four, the enemy of your soul is Satan, and he is a masterful deceiver. I just want you to know this morning, there is an enemy of your soul, and he is Satan. To say that there is no Satan is to also say there is no God. Just, just let that sink in. Because again, we, a, lot, a lot of times we, we really love the love God part, but we don't want to deal with, ah, you can't be telling, you can't be real about that. I want you to understand, Satan reveals himself very clearly to us every single day. It says this in Genesis 3, 1 through 5. It gets, gets really deep into the story here. We know this part. The serpent, Satan, was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord had made. One day he asked Eve, did God really say you must not eat from the tree, uh, any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. It's, it's interesting that Eve, this is what God said. God said don't do it. She's making it clear to Satan, God said, don't do it. There are boundaries here. God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it, and, um, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. So we need to understand here that Satan is a thief, and he is a liar. The Word of God says that Satan's objective, his plan, his mission statement for your life as he has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Steal, kill, and destroy. As he looks at your life, God says that, Jesus said, I've come to give you life more abundantly. Satan says, I've come, and I've come to steal your joy. I have come to kill your faith. I have come to destroy your hope. That's my mission for your life. And I'm going to do all that I can to do that. And you know what? I'm not, I'm not going to be so obvious. But I'm going to work as a masterful thief. I'm going to work. I'm going to, master, I'm going to be a masterful liar. He is a master liar. You see, it's kind of interesting that he found Eve when she was alone. And that's oftentimes where we fall into Satan's temptations when, when we're alone. We're just kind of out there 
doing life ourselves, maybe without God around, maybe without people in our church. We're just out there just doing faith alone. That's why I think it's so important that you get into a life group because we grow stronger in our faith when we grow together. But he found her when she was alone, and she got him, or she, he got her to question God and his motives. Now, just hang on here a second. I, I have lots of questions for God. I have lots of questions for God. But it, it, I have to really be in a really tough place to, to begin to doubt his motives. And Satan got him to doubt his motives. And then, and then he responds with this. A masterful liar will not only be great at lying, but we also put in a good mix. Because you'll see in this passage that he threw in a solid lie. He threw in a truth. And then he threw in a half lie. And then he mixed it all into a pot, and he gave it to him. You know, what I, I, I drive by this lawn ornament in somebody's yard. I'm not picking on this person whatsoever, but they've had this lawn ornament up ever since Halloween. And every time I drive by this lawn ornament, I'm like, that, that's how Satan works right there. That's how Satan works. Maybe if you just show that lawn ornament that, that's up and say, how many of you have seen that? I, I, I'm not picking on that person, but I'm just saying that's how Satan works. Because you can't really see it, but he, he, he's got a piece of candy that he's holding out. Putting out. I, I just want you to see the candy, see how delicious it is, see how wonderful it is. And then what does he have on the other hand? He's got a hammer. And that's what Satan does. That's how masterful he does. I want to give you this candy. I want to give you a life that's so fulfilling and so rewarding. This is exactly what you want and desire. And then when you take it, there's only pain. There's only pain. Understand this, that Satan is alive, and he is the enemy of your soul. And he wants to find you. He's going to come after you when he can find that you are alone, or at least feeling alone. Second of all, he's going to do all that he can to get you to question God and his motives. Again, it's okay to question, have questions about God. I have lots of questions that I want to give to God, but it's when I start to doubt his motives, that's when I begin to get into problems and understand this, that Satan is alive and he is a masterful liar. Isn't it amazing how a masterful liar can take something that is so obviously wrong and paint it, repaint that picture to where you're like, I don't know, maybe it's not so wrong after all. Maybe what is wrong is really right. And a masterful liar will take something that is so right, so obvious, and so true, and get you to doubt it and say, no, maybe what I thought was right is really wrong. Understand he's out there, and he's the enemy of your soul. Number five, for all you fishermen out there, we are lured by a three-pronged hook. You know what a three-pronged hook is for, for those fishermen? It's a lure that has three different hooks. In case the fish doesn't bite into one hook, it will catch the other. The other one will catch the fish. Look at this. Look at how Eve was lured here. She's having a conversation with the serpent, looking at the fruit. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful, and its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. 
So this, this was her temptation. And I think when we look at this temptation, we also see this is how Jesus was tempted. Remember in, in the, when he was te- in the, the desert for 40 days and he was out there fasting, that the enemy came and he tempted him. Was well, You could have this all. If you just make this stone and turn it into bread, it will fill your appetite. You can have all this creation. It will all be yours. Just bow down and worship me. Some people say, well, it's, it's the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Notice how her eyes, she looked at the fruit, and I just have to have it. Is there, is there something in, in your life that, that you're looking around and you're just like, ah, oh, I just, if I just had that one thing, I, my life would just be so fulfilled if I just had that. And the, and, the, and the boundaries we would be willing to cross to obtain it are, the, are our appetite. It would just, it would just, if I had it, it would just make me feel so good if I just had more of that. If I just had more of that meal, if I just had one more donut, if I just had a, one more toke on that drug, or I just had one more drink, it would just make me feel good. Our appetite, many of you have known people, or many of you have struggled in, in these areas where our flesh overrules us and tells us, get more, give me more, give me more. Our pride. Our pride tells us, I don't want anybody to have authority in my life. I don't know about you, but I wake up every morning and I ask, the, the question is there, who's going to reign today? Is it going to be Sheldon? Is Sheldon, is, is he the one who's going to sit on the throne of your life? And he's, is he going to, to steer this ship? Or am I going to allow Jesus to steer this ship today? And that's really our pride. Our pride is, again, getting back to it, we don't like to come under anybody's authority, and that even is God at times. Number six, sin is always our decision. It's always our decision. Verse six, so she took some of the fruit and she ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. So when Adam and Eve, when they bit into the fruit, they were doing more than just breaking some arbitrary rule. They were blatantly rejecting God's authority and declaring their independence from God. Yes, that's what they were doing. They were deliberately violating God's command. And, they, and as a result, it broke the relationship with Him, and they rejected Him as Lord of their lives. That's what we do. That's what happens when we choose sin. And you know why they did this? Because they wanted to be like God. They were making a conscious decision. And Adam and Eve traded the favor of God for their own pursuits. Let me say it one more time. Adam and Eve, they traded the favor of God for their own pursuits and their own glory. You see, when we sin, we are making the decision. We're making a, deci- a couple decisions. Number one, we're, we're making the decision to reject God. When we sin, we are saying, no, God, I, 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 I don't agree with you on this one, okay? Uh, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna do what I wanna do. Uh, I, and what that causes, a rejection, if you've ever been rejected before, it's one of the most painful emotional experiences that we can go through. What it causes is a separation, a breaking of the relationship. I'll talk about that here in a few minutes. 
when we decide to sin, we repudiate God. And when we repudiate God, we, we either are just kind of ignoring Him. No, I can't hear you. No, I do whatever I want. We're ignoring Him or we're just putting Him on the shelf and say, it's not that big of a deal. When we sin, we are in fact rebelling against God. Isn't that interesting? The rebellion of the creature against his creator. And then we make excuses. <laughs> the most notorious excuse, and that some of you have used it, I have used it myself. The devil made me do it. <laughs> the devil made me do it. If you want to know why I did it, the devil made me do it. And folks, we, Satan does not make you do anything. You are the one who decides. You're the one who decides what you do. You see, sin is always our decision. Number seven, our sin is the source of our shame, separation, and fear. Look at it. Look, after they have just partaken of the fruit, look exactly what happened next. At that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called the man, Where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Where did this come from? Where did this come the, the, remember, remember God's intention was that we live in relationship, with, that we have complete peace with God? Where did, where did this shame come from? Have you ever been in that place before where you did something wrong and you just, oh. shame is a little, shame is that, that next level of guilt. Guilt is that feeling of like, oh, I did something wrong. Shame is when you, it becomes your identity. It's your identity. And what happened was it created a separation from God. At that moment, a separation from God. How many of you ever been to the Grand Canyon before? I mean, it's like the, the, the biggest gully in the world. And, and, and that's what it caused, this big separation. And here you are on this side and God is on that side. And God did not decide that through your decision to rebel against God, you decided that separation, and that's exactly what happens because we, as we talked about last week, we serve a holy God, and God cannot live in relationship with sin. Listen to me. God is not rejecting you. God does not reject you. You have rejected God, and we have to own that. Number eight, we have no excuse. Verses 11 and 13. The Lord said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you to eat, not to eat? The man replied, this is so interesting. This is so human here. The woman gave, who you gave me, she's the one who made me eat it. I, I was almost afraid I was going to hear men say amen to that. It, it, wise move, men. Well played. <laughs> well played. But then the Lord asked the woman, what have you done? The devil made me do it. That's, that's why I ate it. Isn't it interesting? When, when we are caught up 
when we are caught up in our sin, how easy it is to go to the blame game. You've done it. I've done it. Because I don't want to look bad. It wasn't me. Don't look at me. And we all need to hear this this morning. Again, this is one of those sermons like it's so hard, it's so thick in here right now. But when it comes to sin, you are responsible. You are accountable for you. And we have got, we were living in a society where we have gotten away from all accountability. But when it comes to God, it's got to say, listen, your society may have gotten away from it, but I've not gotten away from it. And when it comes to sin, you are responsible and you will be held accountable for your actions. And one day we will stand before a living God and we will give an account for our sins. And he will ask us these questions. And he's not going to take, well, the devil made me do it. It was the woman, the woman you gave me, and she made me do it. Not going to work. Or the man. Come on, ladies, help me out here. The man. It was the man's fault. (laughs) We are, listen to me, we are without excuse. It's in your nature. It's in your sin nature. I want you to know there's hope at the end of this message, okay? There's hope. But we need to, listen to, we need to understand this problem is real. It's legit. And God went through a whole lot to remedy this problem. And that's the good news. But we have to acknowledge this part. Number nine, our sin always brings consequences. I heard somebody once say, sin always takes you farther than you want to go, and it costs you more than what you want to pay. Everybody said amen to that. It, it, always, it always costs more. It always t- I did not plan to go there. Oh, I never intended it for it to turn into this. Uh, if I had known then what I know now. Uh, somebody once asked me, Pastor, do you believe in karma? I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it. I don't believe in karma, but I, I'm going to do a little research on this. Karma is kind of like an Eastern religion uh, mindset there. And, and I, my response is, I don't believe in karma but I do believe in consequences. There's consequences for our actions, both good and bad, both good and bad. But there, we need to understand when we look at the Word of God, there are consequences for our sins. It is the after effects of our sin. This is what comes of it. This is the fruit that grows from it. In verses 16 through 19, I'm not going to read them through you, but you'll see there's three things that came of it, that there's pain and there's work and then there's death. And we see that, that Adam and Eve, they experienced all three of those, well, really four of the things. They, they, just, they, they, they dealt with physical death, but more importantly, a spiritual death that came about as a result of that. Not only Adam and Eve, but their descendants. And it was passed down. Well, what did they do? And, and we need to understand this. Where there is sin... People ask, why is there evil in the world? Where there is sin, the innocent will always suffer. Where there is it's not fair. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. It is not fair. But it's sin. And sin is not fair. And so their descendants, they pay the price of pain, work, physical death, spiritual death. And here we are. Here we are today. And we struggle with pain each and every day. My shoulder is just aching today like crazy. We have pain. 
And we have work and toil in order to just make ends meet. And then we have physical death to look forward to. And then we have spiritual death if there is no remedy. And the rest of creation is in the same place. Romans 3.23, Paul tells us, for it's the wages of our sin. The consequences. This is what you deserve. This is what you have went out as a result of your actions. This is what you have earned. You, you deserve it. Why are you surprised? You are guilty. It's, it's, this is a tough sermon. I am not, my fan club, I'm losing members of my fan club right now. We, under, we need to understand this, and I'm going to talk about this more next week. There is a destination, and this destination when we die is called hell. And I want you to know that God does not look down and choose hell for us. That alone, again, as we get back to accountability and decision, that is our decision. We'll talk about that on Easter Sunday. It is our decision that we make. And we need to understand this morning, without an intervention, we are all hopelessly lost. Even Jesus puts people in that category. Lost. This lost category. And then he talks about this group of people who are saved. We're going to talk about that. That's the good news. There's people who are saved. Let me continue on here. Almost done. Our sinful nature becomes all-consuming and is always anti-God. So the Apostle Paul chimes in as he looks at this issue here. And he says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. You see, our sin nature will not settle for anything less than total domination. If unchecked, it will go for total domination in our lives. It's it's like that small cancer cell, and that small cancer says, no, 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 I'm not done. (laughs) I'm going to multiply, and I'm going to take over. And when our sin nature, what all of us are born with, that cell within us, if it goes unchecked, it will multiply, and it will not stop until it has complete domination. And that's why we have what we have in the world today. Domination. Heart, soul, mind and strength. Understand that your sin is always hostile to God. It is, if I can use this phrase, anti-God. Our sin nature is anti-God. Our sin nature, with our sin nature in existence, and us allowing us to happen, it is impossible to please God. How many of you just feel like you've been a human punching bag this morning? We need to hear this. We need to understand that God takes sin so seriously. This is so important. This is the, the, you talk about this pandemic that is going on in the world today. This is nothing. This is nothing compared to our sin disease. And I, want to, I cannot leave you today, and we're going to talk about this next week, but I need to give you a nugget of hope. All of you need to hear this morning, there's hope. Can we just, just call out to God and say, thank you, God, for hope?
you did not leave us hopeless. There is hope. In 1 John 1.9, and we're going we're to talk about this all next week. There is hope all over the place here. But, but he tells us, John the evangelist says, but, 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 this but's going to save your life. <laughs> this but, thank you God for the but. There's a but here. If, you know that word if means there, if, if you make it, it's a decision type word. But if, if you do something here, there is a remedy, there, there is a cure, there is an antidote for this. There's a vaccine. If we confess our sins, to who? To God. He is faithful. That means He's not going to turn you down. And He is a just God. And He's going to take care of it. He's going to forgive us of all of our sins, all of that hostile, that yuck that we have in our life, He will forgive us. And not only that, but He will cleanse us from all wickedness. Oh, there's so much more to talk about that subject next week as we talk about the cross and what it's all about. But here we are in the thick, in the midst of our sin. Oh, feeling hopeless. And recognizing, wait a second, there's an antidote confession to God. Well, what does confession to God do? Well, first of all, confession to God is more than just like, hey, just by the way, will you forgive me of my sins? No, it's, it's, it's acknowledgement. It is a matter of the heart. I don't know if God so much hears the words or, or if he hears the heart speak. It's a heart that becomes humble and recognizes my sin condition. And it's a heart that says, God, I'm sorry. God, I need you. I cannot save myself. God, I was wrong. I tried to go around you, and I, I shouldn't do that. God, I, know, I recognize now I need to live under your authority. God, forgive me. I acknowledge that you are God, and I am not. And this is the best place I can live if I want peace and hope and fulfillment in my life. I put myself under you, and I ask you to forgive me. So if you're here today, and you are just feeling overwhelmed by your sin, okay? I, I pray this every day. I pray this. I just, I just want you to join with me. I want you to know it's this simple. It's not like, okay, turn to this page and read this prayer. It's just talking to God. Just say, God, I need you. Right where are you at? God, I need you. I recognize my sin nature today. I recognize that I've tried to go around you, tried to ignore you, I've rebelled against you, I've rejected you, and I recognize that was sin. And I'm asking you today, I'm confessing my sin before you, I'm asking you to forgive me and to cleanse me of my wickedness. I want to come back into right relationship with you. I choose today to make you Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can we just give God a shout out for his hope? There's hope. We're going to, we're going to, the bottom line is we all have a sin nature. We all sin. 
Sin separates us from God, but there is hope. And we're going to talk about that. And we're going to talk about the good news. We needed to look at the problem. How many of you have seen the problem this morning? How many of you, you see the I see the problem now. I understand. The problem is within me. And we're going to look what next week and learn what Jesus did for us. And then Easter Sunday, we're going to talk about making a decision. But one of the things that we've been asking you to do here as we entered into this new year is we've challenged you to live out this thing called love the verb. And we've given a love the verb challenge for for the past few weeks leading up to Easter. And so we said we're, we're going to listen. We're going to accept people we don't know very well. We're going to comfort people. We're going to forgive. And this past week we said we're going to invite because we know Easter Sunday's coming up. And this week, my, uh, the, the Love the Verb Challenge is I want you to pray. Because remember this, we've said, hey, we, we, I, I, this is a pastor that just loves to throw out challenges, okay? <laughs> but I said, I want you to just one, just one. This year, you're going to be able to share the good news with just one person. And one person in your life is going to accept the good news of Jesus Christ and it's going to change your life. But it can't happen without prayer. So this week's verb is prayer. So Lord, right now, we're we're praying, we're interceding right now for those who are stuck in their sin nature and you have brought us into their lives. And Lord, now we're preparing ourselves to share the message of the good news of Jesus Christ. And so Lord, we pray for opportunity. We pray that you are working in and through their lives today. We're praying for life change. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Let's give God praise for life change. Thank you, God. Hey, this is Sheldon Miles here, pastor at Thrive Church. And I want to thank you for watching this video. And if it impacted you in any way, I want to encourage you to do three things. First, become a part of the Thrive Church family by subscribing and following us. Make sure to join us on our Facebook page every Sunday. Second thing is share. Share with your friends, coworkers, and the people around you. The final thing, consider partnering with us financially. If this ministry is impacting you, I would ask you to pray about what you can give to help us take this message to the entire 715. And as always, we want you to know that you are welcome, accepted, and loved here at Thrive Church. And remember, You were created to thrive. We'll see you next week.